Well, and the universe takes care of us. I truly believe that, you know, and I don't mean to sound so like overly simplistic or Pollyanna-ish, but it's like you make a decision like that, that is the morally correct, soulful decision that you've been struggling with. The universe is going to provide you with something awesome that's going to give you the living that you had. There's no way it won't. That was the amazing Anna David, and this is The Share Podcast. It's time for the Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Share Podcast. And today, we have Anna David joining us on the show. And Anna is the host of the Recover Girl Podcast and the author of Party Girl. And wow, so much has happened since we recorded that interview. First of all, Anna is now the editor-in-chief of In Recovery Magazine, so big congrats to Anna. And also, she has a new amazing coaching program for writers, In Recovery or not, who want to become best-selling authors. So if you want to learn everything Anna knows about becoming a New York Times best-selling author, go to AnnaDavidCoaching.com for all the details. Now, please check out the show notes for more details. I will have all of Anna's websites and social media listed there. And the other big news is while we were on the interview, we talk about her own interview with Sarah Heppola, the author of Blackout, Remembering the Things I Drank to Forget, and how Sarah is one of my dream guests. Well, since that interview, Anna emailed Sarah and hooked us up with an interview. How awesome is that? Anna, thank you so much. Seriously, it was an amazing interview. It's already been recorded, and it's going to be coming out very soon, so look out for it, folks. So, oh my God, now all we need is someone to hook me up with Rich Roll and Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) All right, so in the meantime, let's dive into Anna's story, but first, a message from our sponsor, Organifi. Organifi is an organic superfood supplement line that makes quality, trusted nutrition, convenient and accessible. Their most popular product, Green Juice, solves the problem of juicing greens on the go. Just add water, drink, and let your body soak in the benefits. Like I mentioned to you guys last week, my wife and I drink this every single day, and it is a game changer. More energy, more mental clarity, more focus, better digestion. It just gives you a nice boost in the morning. And best of all, it's delicious. And remember, it's not just any green juice. It's organic and upgraded with 11 superfoods like wheatgrass, ashwagandha, and turmeric, which as you know, is great for addicts. Due to the natural calming effects of ashwagandha and the liver detoxification properties of turmeric. Give it a try, folks, and get 20% off your order go to www.organifi.com. You can also find it in the show notes. You can find it in the iTunes show notes. But if you go to the website, it's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. Use promo code SHARE, S-H-A-I-R, and receive 20% off of your order. Get your greens without breaking the bank. It actually ends up being around $2 per juice. You just can't beat it for what you get. So again, give it a shot. 20% off Organifi.com. Use promo code SHARE. And in other news, I just learned something different about iTunes. Now, I've always mentioned to please leave a five-star rating and review. 
It's the best way to rank in iTunes. But what I found out is the best way to rank in iTunes is for people to subscribe to the show. So I have a goal, people. I want the Share Podcast to be the number one recovery podcast in iTunes. And so for that to happen and for us to rank better, when you listen to the Share Podcast on iTunes, be sure to click the subscribe button. That way, every Tuesday, it automatically downloads onto your phone, and we rank higher and higher in iTunes, making it easier and easier for addicts in recovery to find the show. So again, I love getting the five-star ratings and reviews just so I can read them on the air. But more importantly, we need subscribers. So please, click on the subscribe button and support the Share Podcast. And speaking of supporting the Share Podcast... Thank you so much for all the Share Podcast listeners that are donating and have continued to donate month after month. As you guys can see by the changes that have been going on with the intro, the Share Podcast needs support so that I can do this full-time and bring you guys amazing guests like Anna David and Sarah Helpola and hopefully Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) So guys, if you can give up that cappuccino at Starbucks and that scone, And give us a $5, $10, $20, $50 donation one time or per month. This keeps the show alive. And I know you guys are digging it. I'm loving it. I love all the listener feedback. So if you would like to donate, simply go to the website, www.thesharepodcast.com. Top right corner is the donate button. Click on that or any of the yellow donate buttons featured on the website. And speaking of support, the Facebook private group is growing like crazy. It's unbelievable. We're now 23, over 2,300 members and super active in there. There's so much love, so much positivity. We are helping save lives. Sharing helps addicts in recovery. HP, baby. And if you guys want to reach out to me or if you have any suggestions or can help in any way, email me, o at thesharepodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. And some even more exciting news is clean and sober traveling in Costa Rica. Now, as many of you already know, I have been in Costa Rica almost 20 years. So I have a little bit of experience and a whole lot of contacts here in Costa Rica. So moving forward, for those of you who would love to come and visit Costa Rica, and also would like to make sure that you're close to meetings, then all you have to do is email me, o at thesharepodcast.com, and we will set up a time to do a conference call for your next trip to Costa Rica. So for those of you who are planning to come to Costa Rica and want to be close to meetings and also want to be close to the beaches and the rainforest, then email me at o at thesharepodcast.com. We'll set up a time to talk and we'll put a package together for you. If you want to go to a yoga retreat, if you want to go on a spiritual journey, if you want to come as a couple, if you want to come as a group, if you want to get a group together from your 12-step fellowship or any other recovery-related fellowship to come to Costa Rica, I can put that together for you too. The most important thing is that if you're seeking recovery on your vacation, we can make that happen for you. And while you're down here, we'll hang out, we'll hit some meetings together, do a little fellowshipping. I'd love to meet you in person. And if you're coming to Costa Rica anyway, let me set that up for you. So again, email me, oh, at thesharepodcast.com, and we'll set up a conference call to discuss your next trip to Costa Rica. And I just looked, and we got a brand new iTunes review. And this one comes from Pipe 
2188. Title is Work of Art. The review says, I love this podcast. As a recovering addict, I love having a podcast that I'm able to relate with. I'm always learning new things from everyone that shares their story. Most of all, I love that you dive into spiritual connections with higher powers. Such a beautiful part of recovery. Also, my wife is a social worker, and this podcast is such a cool resource to recommend to those that are in the struggle. It's a great way to help addicts, alcoholics bridge the gap to meetings. Nice work, O. I love looking forward to your podcasts every week. Keep up the good work. Another spectacular review. PayPal2188, thank you so much. You guys have no idea how exhilarating and energizing it is to get these reviews. So keep them coming. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And now a quick message from Transitions Daily and then on to Anna's interview. Would you like to join a free anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Anna, thanks for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. This is so great. Welcome to the show. Yes. And when I say here, when I say I'm happy to be here, you know I mean sweaty in my clothes in Los Angeles. (laughs) Talking to you. And I'm so glad you asked. Sorry, I didn't mean to set you, you know, get kick you off your schedule so quickly into this conversation. But I just want to say how happy your email made me and how happy I am to be talking to you. Oh, that makes me feel so good. Because when I wrote it, you know what I mean? You know, we're, we're addicts and sometimes we don't know how to reach out. Right. So we don't know how they're, you know, how the other person's going to, you know, react to the email. So I'm glad you got, you know, what I was dishing out there, which was, you know, a lot of love, a lot of respect. And I'm so glad you're on the show. Seriously. I mean, this is an honor. Well, thank you. And so, folks, um, just to give you an idea of who we've got on the show today, today we have Anna David joining us on the Share Podcast. And Anna is the New York Times bestselling author of Party Girl, Reality Matters, Falling for Me, and a slew of other bestselling books. She was the sex and relationship expert on G4's Attack of the Show for over three years and has been a regular guest on the Today Show, Fox News Hannity, and Red Eye, the CBS Morning Show, Dr. Drew, the talk, Inside Edition, and many, many more. And the way I discovered Anna was through the After Party website. She was the editor-in-chief in both After Party and RehabReviews.com for three years. Her consulting company, Recover Girl, includes both a storytelling show and a podcast. Recover Girl, formerly the After Party Pod, for those of you who have heard of the After Party Pod, I'm sure, that focuses on destigmatizing addiction and developing healthier lives. She speaks on television and at colleges across the country on addiction, recovery, and relationships. <sighs> Did I somehow manage to get that right? That was perfect. Can I bring you everywhere with me? That was so concise and well said. And I really, and it's, you know, with a very mellifluous voice. I think I'm saying that word wrong, but it was very well said. 
Well, thank you. And uh, I'd love to go touring with you. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm serious. Uh, you know, Live podcasting across the world. Seriously, you know, welcome to Skype. You know, we yeah. can do this anytime, anyplace. <laughs> yep. All right. So, Anna, you know, you're so busy. So tell our listeners what your daily routine looks like, including recovery. Well, it changes all of the time, which is how I like it. Um, in terms of recovery, uh, you know, my sober date is November 19th, 2000. Oof. And what I've done for my recovery has has vacillated a lot over the years. You know, the first couple of years I was doing um, a lot more meetings. And I was frankly just like a much better uh, recovered person. <laughs> I was just really into it. And then, and I still am emotionally, philosophically, but not as much... Uh, in action just because my life got bigger and busier and and all of those things. So in terms of recovery, you know, I meditate pretty much every morning and every afternoon. I do a practice called Vedic meditation right when I wake up, which is 20 minutes of mantra-based meditation. And I... I'll go to a meeting, um, twelve step meeting, maybe twice a week. I um, I chair. I started a meeting, and I and I am the secretary of that. And um, you know, I, I pray every morning. Um, my prayer is really about you know, show me where you would like me to go and where I can most be of service today. And um, and I tr- you know, and I do therapy, and um, you know, I I do everything I possibly can. I surround myself with sober people, not because I have to, but because those tend to be the people I like the most. You know, I try to do my very best to talk about recovery in a way that I wished I had heard people talk about it before I got sober, which is to say, non-judgmental. Um, <laughs> you know, you get sober, and people who drink t- tend to think of you as like cops, like we're out there logging their drinks and and trying to you know take them into our cult and and things like that. And so, and there's so many different ways to recover. I happen to do twelve step. I know there are lots of other ways. I I think whatever works for everybody is wonderful. So that's my recovery day to day. And, you know, and I don't drink and I don't do drugs and I, and I don't smoke cigarettes anymore either. Well, 17 years is a huge milestone. And so you obviously have a lot to pull from. Your life revolves around recovery. And I get it because so does mine. You know, doing the podcast uh, about recovery and interviewing people like yourself that have been clean for X amount of years it keeps me involved in the recovery community on a daily basis. And it does make a difference, but you have to have a routine. So, which is why I ask, because it's, it's not just enough to be part of the community. You have to have a recovery routine for yourself. You're going to meetings, your secretary, you're still very much involved in 12-step recovery. You have mm-hmm. a morning ritual, spiritual ritual, which is one of my questions. One of my questions is how do you maintain your spiritual condition you know, on a daily basis, your conscious contact with a higher power, you know, you just explain some of that. Is there anything more that, that, is there any more details you have as far as maintaining that spiritual condition or, or, you know, what you just shared about is, is, is pretty much what you do? I mean, that's what I do, but the level of connectivity varies day to day. And there are days when I can't seem to connect at all. Mm. I have a thing where I'm just like sort of a worker bee. I do it whether I feel connected or not. It's not something that is negotiable, really, for me, but it doesn't mean it always, quote unquote, works. And when you say, like, yes, my life does revolve around recovery, but not as much as one would think. I mean, really, my mission now is, you know, because it's not like I'm some great, admirable 12-step person with all these sponsees who's some, you know, shining star at all. And I've never tried to 
act like I am. But, you know, my life is about is about what recovery allowed me to see, which was, you know, the sort of negative self-talk, the, the sort of terrible stories I was telling myself, the, sort, the ways I was limiting myself. And that's what I try to share with people. So whether they're sober or addicts or not. You know, I certainly don't want to put anybody on a pedestal. I don't want to put myself on a pedestal. You know, we're just one addict helping another and, you know, we do the best we can day to day. But I think that's what, that what's important is to whatever degree that we maintain our recovery, there has to be some routine in there. There has to be mm-hmm. some sort of consistency. Uh, otherwise, the complacency sets in. And God forbid you stop going to meetings. You know, I'm going to celebrate 14 years Awesome. this month myself. Thank you. And one thing that I've noticed over the years is my circle of friends or the guys that I got clean with, that stays pretty tight. But I have watched so many other ones who have distanced themselves, gotten a life, gotten married, gotten the job, you know, life's fantastic, Stop going to meetings, and next thing you know, they're back in picking up a, a one a twenty four hour coin. And so, you know, I think that that's what th- that's the important message I want to bring across. It's it's an individual thing. As long as you have whatever it is that you need to be consistent, you know, I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, good. So, tell us a little bit about what it was like the first time you drank or used drugs, and more importantly, how did they make you feel? Well, the first time, um, you know, God, I do remember, this is weird. I mean, this was one of the first times, but it's not the one that normally comes to mind. God, I was like, you know, I I know I started drinking around 12. And I remember I was, I grew up in Marin County, which is outside San Francisco. Mm. And I remember sitting in this park bench, but not like a, like it was, no, we were at a picnic table. (laughs) I was at a picnic table with a bunch of kids. And I want to say they weren't really from my high school. Maybe they were from like the cooler high school. And God, it's just this very strong memory of sitting there drinking a beer and talking to somebody who knew my babysitter when I'd been growing up. Her name was Allison. I just remember that somehow that came up and I hadn't thought about her in so long. And I just remember this euphoric feeling when I was having this conversation. And I I think that I thought at the time, it was like, oh, I really loved this babysitter. What a nice memory. But looking back, it just felt so exciting. It just, I just loved it. And I loved it for a long time. You know, it really worked all through high school, all through college. And then it really only stopped working, I would say, you know, once I got into Coke and, and um, you know, drinking then didn't seem that exciting. And then, you know, Coke seemed terrible. And, you know, I was just sort of at that place where we all get to. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's, let's, it's, since you're warmed up now, I'm going to turn the show over to you, Anna. Okay. So it's time for you to share your story, the battle against drugs and alcohol, the wreckage it caused in your life, when you hit rock bottom, and then finally your journey into recovery up until today. So Anna, take it away. Okay. Well, I, as I said, I started drinking um, when I was around 12 and I didn't really see myself as massively uncomfortable in my own skin you know, and, and I really didn't, I'm definitely not one of those people who felt different from the beginning. You know, I, I had a very um, sort of troublesome time in, in high school. My dad is very mentally ill. He was busted for embezzlement when I was in high school. It was on the front page of the paper and um, nobody talked about it. And that didn't make me an alcoholic at all. 
but it did contribute, you know, I believe alcoholism is sort of, you know, we have a genetic predisposition and it's sort of exacerbated or diminished based on what happens to us. And what was happening to me then, and in general happening to me as the daughter of a very mentally ill guy, you know, was it was damaging. I've heard of far worse situations, but I've heard of better situations as well. You know, and, and I grew up with what appeared to be a lot of confidence, but based a lot on sort of external validation. I was really good at getting attention, still good at getting attention, but I was deeply insecure about, uh, there are different things that I'm deeply insecure about today. I was really insecure about my intelligence um, growing up. And, um, And I went to college. I had an amazing time at college. Big waste of my parents' money. I retained almost nothing of what I learned, but had an amazing time. And then, you know, and then graduated and I just felt, you know, and I don't know how many alcoholics feel this way, but just sort of like deposited into the world kind of going, wait a minute, you're expecting me world to make my own meals and to my, and to make my own money and pay my own rent. I mean, I was so not prepared for adulthood and I do think alcoholism is, is very much a sort of um, extended adolescence and this kind of refusal to grow up that like Peter Pan syndrome. Mm Mm-hmm. And I spent my whole 20s sort of rebelling against that. There's so many ways I'm still not grown up. But I, um, my 20s were really hard. And, you know, I was consciously aware of the fact that, that I didn't, I think 20s are hard in general. I don't envy anybody in them right now. It's, you know, you're sort of in this world. You don't really know anything. You don't really know that you don't know anything. You just kind of can't seem to get what you want. Um, it was my experience. You know, and really the short story is that, that I discovered cocaine. And I'd had it in high school and college and always loved it, but I got to the point in living in LA where I was, you know, I, I just basically discovered the wonders of doing cocaine alone. And I think if you're going to look at the wonders of doing cocaine alone, you're probably going to end up, you know, bottoming out. The fact that I thought that was such an exciting, great thing to get everybody away so I could just do <laughs> cocaine in peace, you know? It's not really. And so you're not having fun. I wasn't having fun, but I hadn't really thought about it that way. I was just, you know, it just became this thing I needed. And my life got really small, like really, really small. And, um, and you know, and, and I was unemployable, but I was employed because I had worked in magazines and I had professional experience writing and editing. And so I was like, you know, but things were going bad at work. I had a, I, you know, I, had, I dated a guy that I worked with and he ended up telling the head of human resources that I was a coke addict. And, you know, there was big drama all over. And, um, you know, and eventually after absolutely nothing dramatic, I woke up one morning and for whatever reason called my mother and told her that I was a drug addict. And... There was nothing different going on that day. I don't know why it was that day. And I went up, she lives in Marin, and I went up to see her. And I'd never been so depressed because I knew that the the way I was living wasn't going to fly anymore. And I wanted nothing to do with whatever was coming next. And I just remember how, you know, and I was really depressed. I mean, I was definitely like suicidal ideation. Like I didn't have a plan, but I thought about it. You know, so I and I and I ended up going to treatment the following week, outpatient treatment, and discovering that sobriety and recovery was absolutely nothing like what I thought it was going to be like. I had no idea that it didn't have to do with drinking and drugs. I had no idea that I was, you know, the all everything I learned, like I was just a sponge, and I and I took it all in. And you know, I still remember the things I heard in the beginning that resonate so much with me today. But like that 
probably nothing more than like, I'm that piece of crap in the center of the universe. I thought I had tremendously high self-esteem because I thought about myself so much. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and it turns out I didn't. And I thought that uh, by thinking about all my, myself all the time and sort of barreling my way through life that I was getting really far. And I grew up with a dad who said, we live by the golden rule. The one who makes the gold makes the rules. So, and I was told, you know, sue them before they sue you. Money is all that matters. I had never heard about being of service to people. It had never crossed my mind. And so my life changed dramatically. And um, I started to do 12-step. I did exactly what I was told to do. Um, turns out I am a rule follower. I, I'm not quite as defiant <laughs> as I like to think I am. I just, it didn't cross my mind that like you did, you, they said, get a sponsor. I, I was like, okay, I got to go get a sponsor. And, and everything changed. Um, that being said, I did relapse. When I went out for a night. My original sober date was May 2nd of 2000. And I went out for a night because... For six months, I just didn't think drinking and I didn't think alcoholism and addiction were the same thing. I thought they were different. Didn't think I was an alcoholic. So I went out to test that theory, ended up that night, two bottles of wine, four and a half hits of ecstasy Whoa. later, came back November 19th and was like, okay, I get it. They're the same thing. You know, and that was, that was the beginning of my life. It hasn't all been perfect. I've suffered major lows major lows. Nothing terrible has happened to me. It's all been in, in, in my head. But the, it would be negligent for me to kind of paint this picture of like, and I got sober and everything got perfect because it hasn't been like that. So then if it hasn't been perfect, you know, and, and for, no, for any of us, for I don't know of any of us that came in, you know, in our first year and we were like, other than the pink cloud, because the pink cloud is present, okay? You know, you come in and all of a sudden there's this hope that develops when you walk into the rooms and you start working the steps. But as you start working the steps, you know, shit starts to unfold naturally. So, you know, what was that first year like for you? Well, my first year was t amazing. You know, I, I even doing the steps and I did a really thorough job with the steps, it didn't unseat deep pain. I just really, I mean, I was definitely on the pink cloud for a couple of years. And it was, you know, I've been in therapy since I was 16. And I've been, you know, writing about my feelings for so long that there was nothing, you know, writing a four step, I kept hearing people talk about it as this like awful thing. And everybody relapses like, you know, to avoid doing their four step or in the midst of the four step. It's like, I always say, it's like, I'd been waiting my whole life for somebody to listen to a list of all the people I was pissed at. And here I came to this program that was like, somebody's going to do this for free and listen to me? Freaking love this, you know? And so I wrote the list and then to be able to go and, and share this list and then to discover that I was actually responsible for those resentments was completely life-changing for me because I had just been such a victim. I had been such a, you know, it's not fair, or, you know, woe is me. And, and to realize what a part I'd played was incredibly liberating. So I didn't, I had, and I'd done so much work around, you know, my dad's emotional abuse and all of that. So it wasn't like I had trauma, which I think, you know, trauma is a huge part of why people get addicted, but I didn't have that work to do right then. And so it was only in the next couple of years where I started to kind of go, you know, I think I used AA and sobriety as very much like a drug. And I just was like, okay, this is the, I, I'm always like thinking I have the answer to everything. And you know, okay, I, I thought life was complicated. Now I just had one problem. I was an addict and now I've got that solution. And it, you know, it doesn't work like that. So I would say, you know, it's not about drinking. 
it doesn't have to do with, you know, it's all about my sort of emotional stability. That's how my recovery vacillates. No, absolutely. And, you know, what you were talking about in the beginning, you know, there's that arrested development that happens when you first start using and you kind of find your warm, fuzzy comfort zone, you know, in the alcohol. Um, so you'll coast in that, but you know, that, that you live in that zone for so long that, you know, you, those years go by and, you know, you've stopped growing because you're right. kind of stuck in that fog. And then that, you know, you, there's a kind of a rude awakening where you're like, oh my God, you know, what, what's going on over here uh, as you get closer to the end. Um, now when you were talking about the cocaine use and the isolation, you know, how long did that go on for before you finally hit bottom? You know, I don't know exactly because I'm just terrible with time. I know I, I think it was like two years, but I really don't know for sure. Man, two years of just like emptiness. Yeah. yeah. Groundhog day, right? Yep. Um, and, and so in those two years, like from almost from go, you were isolating. Yeah. I mean, it started where, you know, it was sort of like I'd go to parties and then I'd go to parties and look for people who I knew had Coke. And then I'd go to parties and I'd be the person who had Coke. And then I got to the, well, I only hang out with people who do Coke. And then I got to the, oh, they're really annoying. They can't stop talking. I'm going to do this alone. So I do think that's the trajectory. (laughs) Okay. That sounds absolutely Picture perfect textbook cocaine yeah. use. That's how it starts. At first, it's the most amazing thing. I want to go to every party. Then, you know, the same progression happens until I don't want to be around anybody, especially yeah. I don't want to share my shit. Exactly. That is for sure. And there is that, you know, as you get to the end there and then you branch in or you get into, you start getting into recovery and there, that's that self centered fear. Right. Starts really kicking in because. Now there is no more substance and you start growing again, you start learning and you realize that, oh my God, there's a lot of problems that have nothing to do with the drugs and alcohol. All it was, all that was doing was just masking mm-hmm. all this insecurity that I feel. And, you know, I, I, I remember being in high school the same way, you know, my, my sister's 4.0 student. And, you know, for me, if I, if I got a 3.0, it was a miracle, mm-hmm. you know? So it was always like, I was always looking down at myself as somebody like, well, this isn't for me. I'm going to have to figure out something else because school mm-hmm. obviously isn't going to be the thing. So, so, you know, what is my next move going to be? And then that's when, you know, the drugs and alcohol kick in. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, for, for the most part, the greatest gift that we get is that awakening to who we are when we come into mm-hmm. recovery. And, you know, you've been doing this for 17 years, you know, so, you know, you've got your year one. So you've got all these things that you've done, you know, these accomplishments, you know, you've been on these shows, you've written these books, you know, how far along into your recovery did the light bulb go on and you decide, you know what, I can do something with this and I'm going to take my first step. You know, what was the first step that you took? Was it writing a book? Was it Getting into the website, was it, you know, what was that first step into, you know, your recovery journey out in the open? Well, I, uh, what happened is I was working at a magazine. I'd had a lot of writing experience when I got sober. And, um, but I usually worked at magazines where I got fired. And so when I got sober, I was already working at a magazine called Premiere. No, you know what? I got, I I relapsed when I was there. That was, um, that one night relapse. And then I was given a column. They hired me to write a column called Party Girl, which was terribly ironic to me because I was, I had this column where I was going to the Oscars and the, um, 
Emmys and, and the Golden Globes and premieres. And I was in really the column was just me, you know, talking to celebrities. But it's it was hilarious to me that my whole life I'd been a party girl. And suddenly it's like I'm this girl who is, you know, going to meetings and coffee with her friends and playing with her cats. And like suddenly I'm not you know, doing anything that's partying. And that's the sort of moniker. And I, at a certain point, I think I'd been sober about two years when that occurred to me that that was, that would be a good story. And I didn't really even think about, you know, this idea about, am I going to be open or, or not? I just sat down and I wrote that book based on my story. And it was so much based on my story that like everything that happens in Party Girl, except, which is my first book, except some incredibly necessary plot developments, all were things that happened to me. Everything was based on something that happened to me. And so, you know, when the book, you know, and, and I, I, it was like a purely organic, wonderful experience where I had this idea to write a book. I'd never written a book. I'd done a lot of reading of books and I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just sat down and I wrote it and I got very lucky and I had, uh, you know, some options for agents and, and they, the one I went with sold it the next week. And then, you know, I, the movie rights were sold and it was just this very wonderful experience. And so I, because of all the publicity that book got, I was suddenly on the Today Show and in Cosmo and, and all of these places talking about it and never crossed my mind to be ashamed of it, to not talk about it. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be sober in LA where it's really so common that, yes. that it's almost weird to not be sober. And it's funny, I just got back from Israel with a group of, of 50 people, these amazing sort of wellness leaders, I was the only person who was sober among 50 people, which I don't think I could do that in LA if I tried. <laughs> I really don't think I could manage that. It's hard to find. It is. It is amazing. What year did you write Party Girl? It came out in 2007. Okay. So we're talking uh, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's, it's true. You know, and I've said this before. I, I say that you know, as far as the stigma, especially in LA. Yeah. Right. I'd say that for the most part, that's been dead for a while, you know? Yeah. Almost every, it's like, what rehab have you been to? Oh, really? Oh yeah. I was at that one. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, almost totally. like a badge of honor that you can say that you were at X rehab and, and coming out, you know, recently the, the, the big social media craze I keep seeing everywhere is Brad Pitt talking about you know, how yeah. his breakup with Angela Jolie was about alcoholism, and it's big news. Yep. But I'm sure Brad's not sitting there going, oh, my God, it's out in the open. Oh, they found out. Just the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for him, it's the same as the rest of us. You know, it's like this, oh, finally, okay, got that out. Man, been holding on to that shit for way too long. Yeah. Yeah. I read that story that, you know, I think it was GQ he talked to about it. And uh, it's so great and so honest about it. Although he does say, like, this is temporary or something. I don't think he's, like, embracing this, you know, but maybe that's the right way to do it. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And that's the most important right. thing about our message to everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. There has been so much turning off to this, you know, 12-step, you know, I can't say enough about 12-step recovery. It saved my life. It changed my life. It sustains my life. When the shit hits the fan, I go right back to it, okay? Right. You know, that's what I, you know, I mean, I'll be lost in the weeds and my wife is like, why don't you just work the steps on it? And I'm like, what do you know? You know, because right. you know, she's not in recovery. And then the minute, she, you know, uh, the minute I have a time to pause and think about it, I'm like, oh my God, I have all these amazing tools at my disposal, right? right. Um, so 
I can't say enough about that, but I also want to talk to the people that get pushed out of the meetings because they feel like they're being judged or Mm -hmm. this is not the right way to do it. This is, you're doing it wrong. You need to do this. You need to do that. Whatever the case may be. I just got off the phone with one of my friends who recently, you know, she reached out to me. We haven't talked in in probably a couple months. She's like, hey, how you been? I haven't seen you in a while. And, uh, you know, we started talking and she was like, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of like over that whole clicky thing that's going on over in the meetings. Right. And I was like, that's so important to be able to share about it because you're not, that's the one thing you can't share about in the meetings. Right. You're not going to walk into meetings. You could. You could, but man, I mean, that's, I have, uh, I have yet to see it where somebody walks in and goes, listen, I am tired of the fucking clickiness that's going on in these meetings. And, you know, there's not enough outreaching to the newcomer. There's not enough, you know, making people feel welcome that aren't part of this particular group of people. And and I'm feeling like I'm getting pushed out. So I can't be the only one. And uh, to this day, I haven't seen that. But we we talk about it now. We talk about it on air. So I think it's important Mm -hmm. that, you know, that people that are listening out there when they hear and they go, yeah, man, that's how I feel. Then go find another meeting because that's what I told her. I said, look, I'm going to this one now. And she's like, yeah, no, I just switched to this one and it's great. So you're doing it, you know? Yeah. And, and, And we wouldn't... And I think that that's just part of how we evolve and that's how new meetings are formed and that's how we grow as a community. There's a discord that happens within a particular meeting and then boom, another one opens up somewhere else and the people that like it here stay here. The other people move to the other one and then these things start to flourish and grow. So I think it's a natural progression. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And it's when I hear that, I I just go, well, I don't get on a bus and have someone be mean to me and go, God, all buses are terrible. (laughs) You know, it's like it was a bad person on that bus. There are bad people in meetings. There are bad people everywhere, whatever, quote unquote, bad, however you want to define that. And we find what we're looking for. We really do. That, I mean, that being said, somebody could go into a meeting with the most open mind ever and meet a completely like crazy, inappropriate person. But that person does not represent the program. That is just one sick person. So yeah, I say, you'll find what you're looking for. I went to meetings years before I got sober and I found what I was looking for, which was a bunch of crazy people talking about something I didn't want to know anything about. <laughs> you know. And then when I needed it, it was amazing. I, maybe it was a better meeting. I don't know. I just heard people saying brilliant things. I think, yeah, I think you're right in the sense of you find what you're looking for and there's a certain mindset that you're in go, you know, going into any particular meeting or what you're going through at the time. And I think also that it's very important not to attach yourself to anything. You know, uh, attachment yeah. is at the root of all suffering. And, and, yep. and sometimes your expectations, we're all human beings, right? So right. we make mistakes and I'm, I'm pretty confident that no one's trying to be a certain way and no one's trying to push people out, right? They've just kind right. of become set in their ways, especially guys that got, I mean, there's some guys that I know that have 30, 40 years. Right. And it's the same pitch, right? It's the same right. pitch every time. And so you need that. You need the newcomers to come in that fresh kind of like perspective and that kind of like, whew, glad that's not me. And and even listening to somebody right. like Brad Pitt who says, you know, you know, this is temporary or whatever the case may be, it's it's like great. You know, you're taking yeah. the first step. 
the first step is the most important, right? As you move, you don't know what direction the person's going to go and it's not your responsibility. Everyone has their own higher power. But the beautiful thing is that we're all talking about it. We're talking about it right Right. now. And if you're not comfortable where you're at, then go to another meeting Talk to somebody for sure, like one-on-one privacy, having that, you know, just say, hey, listen, I don't know if it's just me, if maybe I'm being judgmental or being overreacting, but this is what's going on. And somebody else can go, hey, you know what? Not for nothing, but, you know, you might have, you know, some validity there. And then and then you kind of work through it. But the reality is, at the end of the day, we're all just garden variety addicts and alcoholics trying to get clean and sober you know we're Mm -hmm. you know that's it we're not perfect we're imperfect we're gonna make mistakes so we have to always take everything with a grain of salt and find out just find our people i think right our our tribe is there we just have to look for it like you said right you you find what you're looking for that being said you know it's not for everybody so you know it it doesn't mean there's something wrong with somebody who goes to a bunch of meetings and is like you know what i'm not down with this that's fine no that's true that's true you know, I wanted to ask you something. You know, your your Skype name is Overanalyze. Yeah. So where does that come from? Oh, I'm the most overly analytical person ever. <laughs> I mean, I was born uh, overanalyzing and I continue to. I mean, it's it's my greatest gift and my biggest defect because, you know, it can be the root of my misery. Um, you know, I was just talking to a friend yesterday who's going through it, non-sober friend, but she's just depressed. And, you know, she's just like, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. And I'm like, oh, that's because they're, the, the worst thing to do when you're depressed is to try to figure it out. We're just supposed to let these feelings pass through us. Um, but, you know, but also the fact that I'm good at analyzing means, you know, I've been good at writing. I'm good at communicating. I'm good at understanding how I feel. I'm good at understanding how the people I love feel. Um, so yeah, that is, that is overanalyze <laughs> with an extra N. So you've got my name in the middle of it. Ah, okay. I got it. I got it. I love it. I love it. So listen, it's not often that I get an opportunity to interview a fellow podcaster. Yes. And uh, you've been doing this longer than I have. And so um, I just want to know a little bit about the change. Uh, so what was it, you know, I, I know that you've, you've kind of rebranded. So yes. w- what, was the, what was the underlying reason for going from the After Party Pod to Recover Girl? Yes. Well, I had in 2012, I started this, this site, After Party Magazine, and I started the podcast with it as a part of it. And I have just left. And so I so I've now left After Party, you know, kind of morphed into Rehab Reviews. I was editing both of them, doing the podcast. And when I decided to leave After Party, I, had to, I could take my podcast with me. And I, I set up a, a consulting company called Recover Girl, where I help rehabs and different sort of recovery publications with their branding. I have a small team of writers and, you know, we're doing some books for people. We're doing some websites for people, whatever, whatever people need. And so I just, just renamed the podcast. It recover girl, as you know, it's like no small deal to rename a podcast. They're sort of, if you look it up, it'll say like, have a very good reason if you're going to do this because <laughs> you know if you've established something for years you just don't want to confuse people and links and and all of that stuff but i but i thought about it and i knew that's what i wanted to do so yeah so that's that's the thinking behind it and people can get all the episodes it's recovergirl.biz it's, so it's all on on the site well uh, you know since we're on since we're there now tell our listeners the best way to get a hold of you find you reach you all that good stuff are you mad that I keep jumping ahead and getting no. your 
to order. Are you a Virgo? No, 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 no. I'm Capricorn. <laughs> oh, good. I get along with Capricorns. Virgos are very organized. Um, I okay. So you can reach me. I'm I'm on like all the social media at Anna B David, and that's Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. So my fan page is is I think Facebook.com/slash Anna B David, and then Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Anna B David. And then, yeah, and then the site, AnnaDavid.com, has everything. I have 64,000 websites because I also have a coaching program for writers called Writing Issues. You don't even want to know, like, what my annual bills from GoDaddy are in terms of the domains that I have. I'm just constantly coming up with new ideas and doing them. That's, like, craziness. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, See, that would drive me bananas. Even trying to manage all that, you've got to be completely OCD. I am very OCD. I'm also a Gemini. I'm not as into science as I just made myself sound in the last minute, but I get bored really easily. And I think that plays into, that played a lot into my addiction. And I believed, and it's the great irony about addicts is we think we're so exciting when we're active and really addiction is just experiencing the same thing over and over and over again. But I, um, I have to be doing a bunch of things at once. It has to be a podcast and then working for this one rehab and then editing this magazine and then doing these, you know, I speak at colleges, I, I, I lead workshops, I, I need it to be a whole bunch of different things for me to stay stimulated. And I worry about it sometimes. My therapist is like, look, there are some people who are just high stimulation people. You just, that's what you like. (laughs) Well, it's amazing that you're able to do all these things because I'm definitely one of those people that when I start to go into that realm, I immediately get overwhelmed and I start making my list. Okay, so here's all the stuff I'm doing. This has got to go. This has got to go. This has got to go. And here's where I'm going to focus on. I'm just marveled at people who, you listen, I have a tough enough time doing a weekly podcast. You've got two, right? I let that one go. Oh, you did? So I do get overwhelmed. Like that was when I got overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? I did it for six months. I'm done. You know, I start, I had to like, I had to like look at what's my overall goal here and does this play into it? And it really didn't. Thank God. (laughs) Not, you know, I'm not trying to gloat in, you know, something like that. But it's like, I... I get in there like, how does she do it? Yeah. Right? Like, I, I almost like, I'm like, you know, what the what? You know, like, how do you, yeah. and it's like, okay, so, so you did the same thing. It's like, at some point you're like, I got way too much going on. Yes. P- producing a podcast takes a tremendous amount of work. I'm just like you in the sense of I'm an absolute perfectionist. Like right now, you know, just so you know what my thought process is while we've been doing this, this interview, I'm like, why doesn't all my guests have one of these mics? I can hear that this is going to be an awesome <laughs> podcast. There's right. no Skype skips. You know, right. it's been totally fluid the entire time, right? Right. So, so there is that perfectionist aspect that, that we have or that we're both very familiar with. And I think that's awesome. I think that, that you need that to a certain degree. And as addicts, when we take that energy that was used for using and partying and and basically killing right. ourselves, man, when we get clean, it's like we, we skyrocket to another direction as it's you know stated yeah. in the book. <laughs> right right in our literature yeah it's um that energy when honed can be amazing you know when i was running after party um i had at a certain point i had four employees and about 15 freelancers and my sober addicts and alcoholics were my amazing employees 
everybody else was fine. But if you <laughs> only have an amazing, I will only hire <laughs> now. Not because I don't. I want people who don't do drugs, but because we're all freaking insane perfectionists and like we'll work harder and you know it doesn't come from the best place always you know a lot of it is like they people will beat themselves up if they don't do it faster and better than everybody else but uh, but as an employer oh sober people are amazing i could not agree more and those of you that are listening uh take that also with a grain of salt uh if you if you hire them too soon Yes. Then, yeah. Then, then it's then it then everything we just said goes out the window, because they're super emotional. Like in the first year, they're super emotional, and you know, I I hired a few kids too early on, and you know, they had anxiety attacks on, on, at the job. I don't know if I can. Yeah. Notice, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you get somebody who's you know basically gone through the steps has at least a year of sobriety under their belt and they've got that kind of like gleam in their eye, man, they come in like unbelievable gangbusters. They will, they're, they're just beasts and, and they, they do, they're perfectionists and they're overachievers and they want to succeed. They want to do well, you know? So I agree a a thousand percent, you know, bringing somebody in who's got that, who's got the tenacity and the energy of somebody who's got a strong foundation of recovery, man, they're just kick-ass. So yes, I'll agree with you on that. No, 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 no question about it. So you let go of you've got issues. You're focusing all your attention now on Recover Girl. Um, and so what's the next big thing happening for you in, in the near future? Are you going to be at the... There's another thing I'm seeing all over... Oh, that she recovers. Yes. Are you going to that? Are you part of that? No, okay. I'm not. I I love Dawn, who started. I've been on her retreats and, and everything. But but also, but I'm dually focused right now. I have the Recover Girl arm of what I'm doing, and then I have an arm called Writing Issues, and that's this coaching program. And what that is. Uh, right now, I have 12 people in it. It started May 1st. It ends August 1st. And I'm coaching people to become best-selling authors. So um, what they get is access to all of these videos. I spent a year making different videos showing people how do you come up with a title? How do you write essays? How do you get those essays published? How do you write a book overview? How do you do a market analysis section, a promotion section, all of these things? And then I had people apply and it's an amazing program. So one person out of the 12 is going to get to meet with my agent in New York and um, a publisher that I know. So that's been really exciting. This is my first time out with that. So people can can find out about that writingissues.com. I don't know when I'm going to launch the next program. I'm just sort of getting through this one. But that's been spectacular. And, and my experience with it has made me want to do more online courses and coaching programs. So I just created one called How to Fall in Love with Yourself, which is based – I have my memoir – it's called Falling for Me. And then I was giving a talk at colleges called 10 Steps to Relationship Honesty. And I combined the principles of those two things. And then I also added everything I've learned in recovery. And, and I do Vedic meditation and I go to weekly Buddhist uh, lectures. So I've combined all of that into this course. And I'm so excited about that. So I'm going to launch that as something just like the writing program where people will sign up and then they'll have access to me and regular sort of meditations and coaching and all of that. I became certified as a life coach uh, two years ago. So, okay, so those, so, okay, so writing issues is an arm that how to fall in love with yourself is part of the Recover Girl brand or whatever. And, um, but what I'm doing, I mean, literally, this is the first week I'm not doing after party. It ended last week or the week before, but I went to Israel for a week. So, 
what I'm doing is I'm taking two big consulting jobs, one um, for a print magazine about recovery and one for a, um, an online uh, website about rehabs. And then I'm taking a few other things. I'm totally overwhelmed. Yesterday in yoga, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't do all of this. And then <laughs> I remembered that, you know, you know, all that cheesy stuff, the universe doesn't give me more than I can handle. Uh-huh. And if I did, if I made a mistake, then I perfectly able to go and say, hey, sorry, I can't do this. And that will be okay. Like I, I have to, you know, I think there's a fine line between allowing, you know, being believing that the universe brings us exactly what we need and taking responsibility and, you know, practicing self-care. And, you know, I can, I can tend to work myself into the ground. Um, cause that's just my personality. You know, I feel like I have to work out every day and you know, all of this stuff. So, so you get it. You get oh, it. I'm married to her. Okay. You are. I'm, and she's I, not even an alcoholic. No, no, but she is a wellness coach. She went to, uh, she graduated from IIN uh-huh. international Institute of nutrition. She's a yoga instructor. Yep. Uh, she, is, she wakes up every morning in journals. She meditates. <laughs> You know what I mean? She does workshops. Yeah. She works for Citibank. Right. And she'll have these moments where she'll come to me and she's like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. And I'm like, I don't know how you do what you do. You know, she yeah. is an amazing woman. But, you know, the cool thing, like yourself, she will get to that point where she'll come to me and she's like, I think I'm hitting a wall. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's prioritize, right? Like, right. that's the key. The key is prioritizing and looking at what's the most important thing because she's either not doing enough. Or she's doing too much. And uh, it sounds like you are yeah. the, you guys are like, you know, twins. Yeah, totally. And it's, you know, I panic though. You know, today I don't have a very busy day. And I went on a hike. I'm totally jet lagged. So I got up at four in the morning and I went on this hike and I was stressed out because I was like, I don't know that I have enough to do today. <laughs> I mean, I just described my 6,000 projects. And I actually, I would say I'm anxious about not having enough to do. I mean, it's problem. You know, it's, you know, like anything, it's my greatest and worst quality. Oh, my God. Now, listen, I found writingissues.com. So, folks, trust me, I will have everything on the show notes, you know, how to find Anna. I've already found writing issues. So, the, the other one is called How to Fall in Love with Myself? Yourself. Yes, but that is, it hasn't been released yet. So this is the exclusive that your your listeners are getting. Coming soon. (laughs) Coming soon. You you guys know about it first. Yeah. And that's, who knows when that's going to be available. I'm putting it up right now and it's really cool. I'm probably more excited about it than I've been about anything I've ever done. I think it's awesome. I think that that is I can't talk about that enough. And that's one of the first things that I discuss, especially with sponsees, uh, especially when they're beating themselves up. You know, it's like, you got to learn to forgive yourself. You got to learn to love yourself and, you know, forget about loving other people and forgiving other people until you've done that for yourself. And that's, you know, you've got to do that kind of work. Um, You you know, you're not doing it. So you're just kind of churning. It's just kind of going you know, over and over again in your head because you haven't you haven't taken the the, the appropriate steps to forgive right. yourself and love yourself. So having having access to something like this, I think that I have a lot of female listeners for sure, and they love this kind of stuff. You know, what I mean, like this is they they live for this kind of stuff. I just recently uh, interviewed um, Je- Jennifer Matisa. Oh, I love her. She yeah. is amazing. It yeah, was an amazing interview. She's got an amazing yeah. book, and you know, they weren't bananas for her. You know, these are the kind of things that that evolution that happens in recovery. You know, so what's the next thing I'm going to evolve to? And this is a this is a great evolution. Learning to love yourself—that's for sure, no question about it. 
Well, and the truth is, a lot of what's in this course is completely cold from the 12 steps. I mean, there's a huge part about it, about looking at what happened to you, not as a victim, but as, you know, what part did you play? And in figuring out the part you played, you get to find, you get to rewrite the story as like, you're the hero or the heroine, which is really what the 12 steps did for me. No, that's for sure. And you can use so much of that. I just started, it's funny because... Um, I was in the the gambling business for close to twenty years, and fascinating. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I, I never talk about it on the podcast. I haven't until recently. Um, yeah. And so what I was doing is, uh, I live in Costa Rica, and there's a lot of. Um, I came here because there was online casinos that were being operated out of. So I got, uh, you know, I was hired to be operations an operations manager back in the day, back when I first came here in '99, and that's when my addiction just woof. Just yeah. took off, shot off like a rocket, and that's where the cocaine yeah. comes in, the ecstasy comes in, the mushroom comes in. The list of the list goes on and on and on and on and on of the debauchery that that, that went on. Um, I got married, um, and then four years later it was you know rock bottom, lost right. everything. You know, um, then I got sober, got clean. And then I started to work for for a guy, a friend of mine that was in the program. You know, most of us that were at the meetings that were recovering addicts were all in the in the in the industry. You know, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So I got a job working for one of those guys, and I just yeah. kind of like been doing that. And then I just recently, it was a moral dilemma that conflicted with what I do with the podcast, um, and the fact that I don't share about what I do. And if anybody right. asks me, I deflect. You right. Know, and I said right. I'm not living congruent with my spiritual yeah. principles if I can't even you know honestly say what I what I do uh, so when I left most most recently you know I've been kind of like trying to find myself again you know this is a long time to be doing something and then like branching off when did you leave Ta- two months ago oh my god this is so exciting it's yeah. your new life so you would so you had shame that you worked in the gambling industry because it was because of gambling addicts and that kind of thing is that what you mean totally Absolutely. And so, wow. And so you were just living with it mm-hmm. and great rewards come from this kind of thing, this kind of coming clean. It, it, because here's the thing. I ha- I worked, I did the steps in the NA step working guide. It took me four years to complete them, right? It was like a four year right. degree. And I said, that's it. I'm not doing it again. So right, right. 10 years later, I hit a bottom, right? Most recently it was a bottom because when I left, it was... It was a it was a war when I left the the last company I was at. It was just what and do you then, mean? It was just between myself and and one of the other partners. We butted heads, but it was like the most unnatural butting of heads, and it was completely inappropriate the way we were like facing off with each other because this is supposed to be a business. Nowhere in a business would you like be facing off with somebody. All right. right. And, and, th- and there was so much conflict in there. It was so unprofessional. I was like, right. what am I doing? I'm 46 years old and I'm dealing with shit like I was when I was using, you right. know, and, and having the same sort of feelings. And my wife, who is, you know, the voice of reason, <laughs> she's like, she goes, I hate that business. Yeah. She goes, you need to find a way out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was one of those things where, like, the, it came to a head and I was like, okay. I finally said, I'm done. And we hadn't, re- I was working six days a week, right? Coming home, beat up. Um, I, I, I was missing meetings. Uh, I was missing quality time with my family. I was completely giving my life to this, to this thing. And then when I, when I quit, within a week, this miraculous change happened. 
And I changed because, boom, I was going to meetings like a madman. And, right. you know, I was like back. I was talking to my sponsor, this and this and that. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my God, you're the man I married again. Mm. And I didn't realize how much we'd grown apart mm-hmm. this whole time, right? And I'm like, how dangerous is that? Because we didn't even really realize it until we, it was over. until we came back together, right? Yeah. And we started working together on this. And it was just like our marriage just went... You know, it took off and, you know, we've been so close ever Mm. since. And it's like, it's the best decision. Like, no matter what hardships we're going to go through right now, it's nothing compared to this life we were living. You know, I'd rather go through financial hardships than go through emotional, mental, you know, relationship issues that we're going through and, you know, learning to love ourselves. (laughs) Well, and the universe (laughs) takes care of us. I truly believe that, you know, and I don't mean to sound so like overly simplistic or Pollyanna-ish, but it's like you make a decision like that, that is the morally correct, soulful decision that you've been struggling with. The universe is going to provide you with something awesome. Yeah. That's going to give you the living that you had. There's no way it won't. I, you know, what you just said is the world we live in. That's, that's the world that my wife and I live in. That's the way I, yeah. I, I choose to, to work my program. You know, a long time ago, you know, one of my first sponsors said, wear recovery like a loose garment. Yeah. He didn't make that up. I hear it too. Unless it went. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's not nothing. I always say this all the time because, you know, as people come up to me and I remember going to meetings and having these shares and people come up, dude, that was amazing. Right. Go, right. I, I am regurgitating to the best of my ability. I just might tell it better than somebody else did, right? Because I have a a different dynamic personality, but nothing is original. Nothing out of my voice, nothing out of my mouth is original. I am regurgitating to the best of my ability. I learned it from my sponsor who learned it from his sponsor or heard it from another guy at a meeting. And that's how we do it. You know, I'm, I'm not the well, but I certainly enjoy being the pipe every once in a while. Right. Right. I know. It's, it's how about when you talk to non-AA fr- and non-12-step friends and they're just like, oh my God. You know, you say like rejection is God's protection or something. And they're like, oh, you're just so brilliant. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. There's another I mean, there's so many little things and I've taken credit for a lot of them. When I think I can get away with it, I'll totally take credit for it. <laughs> I mean, why not? Well, you know, have people think I'm smarter than I am. I have been called a shaman. That's, oh yeah, that's where I've that that's the level I've gotten to. It's like oh, you're, yeah, it's you're, you're a spiritual being. You're a you're like a shaman, right? I'll eat that up all day long. You know, I know. you know, I love it. You know, but my catchphrase is always HP baby. You know, yep. HP yep. baby, and I and whenever I start to feel that. My ego just kicks in. Yeah. Right? It's like, you are the man. Right. Right? And then I'm like, HP, baby, quick. Say yep. it quick. Because somebody's yep. going to, if they're either going to understand or they're going to go, what does that mean? And then I can go right into the God thing, you know? Yep. And, and I have to. I have to. I Everything that I have in my life is because of my relationship with my higher power, which I choose to call God. Call God. I came to terms with that many, many years ago, very early on in recovery. And yep. I've never looked back. Right. You know, in my darkest hour, I'm in the bathroom, on my knees, on a toilet, by myself, you know, going, God help me, God help me, God help me, you know, get me through this, you know. Um, and yeah, most recently, prior to me quitting that last job, I was doing what I was doing when I first got clean. And I get up in the morning and I go to the other room and I get on my knees and I just go, God, here we go again. Help me. 
I'm about to go mm-hmm. into this war zone. Help me. And eventually the answers, they, they come. But I, I, I definitely have never been able to accomplish anything on, on my own. It's all, you know, my relationship with God. And of course, sharing about it in the meetings, talking to my sponsor, talking to my wife, getting feedback. You know, it's, it's how we do it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, and, and I think like what you're doing right now, springboarding all your experience and, and what a great, I love this, how to fall in love with yourself. Mm-hmm. That is brilliant. So I want to be a part of that. However, you know, whenever that launches, uh, folks, I'm going to have AnnaDavid.com on the show notes. I'm going to have writing issues on there, all her social media, so you can reach out to her. And then as soon as this other project comes up, then I want to post it in the Facebook group because I think this is very important. Yes, I would love that. And people, you know, reach out to me all the time. I'm sure they do with you too. People who need treatment, people who just want to talk. Um, and, you know, people are always welcome to email me. I do answer every email and it's just Anna at AnnaDavid.com. That's awesome. I love it. You know, right after I got your e- email, I saw that it said Anna at AnnaDavid.com. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how many years ago I registered OmarPinto.com and I immediately went in and put in Omar at OmarPinto.com. <laughs> you just thought of that because of my email, Omar? Yep, yep Where yep. have you been? I know, I know. I saw, I've had it for I don't know how long, and I'm like, uh, that's brilliant. I love it. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> Dude, I, lo- I love it. I mean, I, 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 I've passed on a lot of things in my time. It's good to know that was another one. Oh, there's been all kinds of gold. Yes. All right, on this interview. Thank you so much. So you're so fun to talk to. And I'm and yeah, I'm really thrilled that you that you had me on and I'm excited to have you on Recover Girl when you come to LA. Yeah, guys, as soon as I make my way to LA, which is not gonna be anytime soon for obviously obvious reasons. But my sister lives in LA, so I will when the next trip I go down there, I'll be letting you know, hey, I'll be there in a month. Let's get this thing on the books. We're going to have so much fun. Oh, yeah. We're already having fun now. I know. This is awesome. All right. So, Anna, let's close up. And the way I like Mm -hmm. to close up is for the newcomer. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to ask you five questions about your early recovery. And I want you to respond with inspiring and insightful answers you can share with our newcomers. No pressure. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I put on my inspiring hat. Go. Awesome. Number one. What was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery? Um, What was keeping me from getting clean was that I thought it was the end of my life. I did not understand that I would ever have fun again. I thought that sober people sat around miserable, talked about uh, the good old days when they were drinking, smoked cigarettes, drank coffee. And then if like the tedium of their lives got so bad that they didn't know what to do, they'd maybe be like, we could like go to a play. (laughs) Like I didn't understand conceptually. That you could have fun, not being fucked up. Amen. Ditto to that. <laughs> right. Yep. So number two, at what point did you have a spiritual awakening, that aha moment in recovery when you accepted that you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, but for the first time had developed the hope that you could recover? For me, it was not a conscious thing. I I think I must have had it the day that I called my mom and said I was an addict. Something was going on. And then I I did what was suggested to me in 12-step rooms, and I realized one day that I had absolutely no interest in doing drugs or drinking. And I had been trying not to for years and years and years. And it occurred to me that that didn't make any logical sense. 
You know, I'm a very logical person. And so that was where my belief came from because I'd never encountered and I still haven't encountered something where I tried something for years and years and years. It didn't work. I had ample evidence that I couldn't stop drinking and doing drugs. And then I did like a few of the simplest things. I mean, not easy, but the simplest things imaginable. And suddenly it was like that part of my brain was gone. And I'm like, if that's not a higher power, then 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 I, I don't there's no greater confirmation I could need. Wow. That that is an absolute miracle. Yeah. Because most of us did not have that experience. But we did. You wouldn't be sober today if you hadn't had that experience, I believe. Well, I'll tell you, man, those first six months for me, I wanted to get high every single day. And then it changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Like from one day to the next. Yeah, it was gone. Yes. Yes. That's true. I mean, it is true. It happens at different times for all of us. But, you know, I think the greatest misconception is people go, oh, my God, you have so much willpower. Oh, my God, 16 years. And it's like, I have no willpower at all. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. The only time that that happened for me is I was uh, smoking Mm -hmm. uh, when when I got clean and I smoked for two years. And I was driving along smoking a menthol. Ew. And I was going, this is the most disgusting tasting thing ever. It's grotesque. Why am I doing this? I flicked the cigarette out the window. I was on my way to a meeting. I gave a brand new pack of cigarettes to my buddy that was outside. And there was like any number of guys all standing outside smoking. Yeah. I I looked at him. His name's Ivan. I remember Mm -hmm. it like it was yesterday. I said, this is for you. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'll hold it for you. Right? Yeah. And that was it. That was uh, shit now 12 years ago. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I think when I describe it, I make it sound a lot more instantaneous than it really was, but, but it is the miracle that we all walk around with. And, you know, not all of us, you know, when you get to the point where you're not fiending anymore, that's what happened. (laughs) Well, the fact that you picked up the phone, called your mom and said, I need help. Yeah. That's God. You know, as soon as yes. you as soon as you take that action, and that's what needs to resonate with the listeners, is when you take that most of us can't even pick up the phone. But right. you pick up that phone, you say, I need help. It's true, it comes. Cause I I remember doing that. I remember when I had hit my rock bottom, I woke up, I was desperate, and I remembered all of a sudden just this fleeting thought was I remember the therapist told me that there's these meetings I can go to. And I just mm. got up. Drove to his office because mm. I didn't even have his number anymore. Drove to his office and I said, I need help. And he's like, mm. Here's how to get to a meeting. And that was it. You know, so I, yeah. okay, I got it. I got it. You're right. You're right. It is, it, it does happen in an instant, but you have to act. Like you have to act immediately on that. Yeah. Right. Cause it is yep. fleeting. If you don't, if you think about it and you don't make the call or you don't get in the car or you don't do it, the next right indicated step, then 15 minutes later, you're like, eh, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like I help a lot of people get into rehab and we have to do it that minute. That minute. Because it's like if we're going to wait and see insurance and blah, blah, blah until tomorrow, we've lost them a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is that fleeting moment. Act on it. Act yep. on it for sure. All right. So, um, Anna, this is a tough question for you. Do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to our newcomers? Well, my favorite books aren't really about addiction and recovery, I would say. My favorite authors are Martin Amos and Philip Roth, both totally misanthropic, probably alcoholic. 
<laughs> writers. Um, you know, my best, I think the best book about um, recovery is the Sarah Heppelas book, Blackout, Remembering the Things I Forget. My God, love that book. She's just amazing. Um, I did just absolutely love the Kat Marnell book, um, How to Murder Your Life. It was amazing. She's somebody who still uses, and it was a really interesting way, you know, how I started this off is saying, you know, whatever works for people works. I mean, she uses less than she she did, and that's success on a certain level. So I loved both of those books. I love that title. I know. It's so How to good. murder your life. I mean, it's gripping. What was her name? Kat Marnell. Kat Marnell. Okay. Yeah. And which, what is your favorite book or the one that you would recommend of, of your books? Oh, I only recommend one of my books. I don't even like the other five. So um, that's bring, the truth. Party Girl. It. Read right. Party Girl. It's my first one. I love it. I, I, a lot of my books, I read them and I cringe. Um, that one, I, I just was totally pure. And it's a great example of, of alcoholism. I wrote a character who's like completely self-obsessed and has no idea she's self-obsessed. So, Listen, I heard your episode with Sarah Heppola. Oh, yeah. How did you get her on the show? I want to get her on my show. You could get her. For sure you could. I reached out. She didn't even respond. Maybe she didn't get when it. When did you reach out? It's, it was. It's been a while. It's. It's. It's yeah. been a while. I got so many. Every time I would ask this question, every other interview was like blackout. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So then I, I downloaded it and was listening to it on on my uh, Audible, and I was like, "This is amazing, this book." And then I and then I I, I found her interview with you and listened to that. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, I want her." Um, well, the thing is, I knew her. She was my editor at Salon, but I didn't know her well. I never met her. Um, but the, but I so so that's how I got her. But I saw she did a lot of other podcasts and stuff like that. You might have caught her in the craziness that yep. followed that release. But um, but I mean, maybe I can. You know, I'm happy to reach out on, you on your behalf. That's yeah. what I wanted to hear. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. Awesome. Awesome. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Excellent. I love it. I'm excited. All right. So number four, what is the best suggestion you have ever received? I think the best suggestion I have ever received was just stick around because your mind's going to change. You know, I don't know the first, I don't remember when I first heard that, but, you know, I used to be absolutely convinced that the way I felt today was going to be the way I'd feel for the rest of my life. Like, I didn't understand that I changed my mind in a second, you know, and that was really true about 12 step. You know, I was a thousand percent convinced that was not the place for me. It was like a cult and it was terrible. And I didn't, I didn't understand when I felt that way that my mind would change. So, you know, really understanding that I can't trust my brain. Is has been like the greatest freedom ever. It's absolutely true. One of the things that we learn in recovery, at least one of the first things I learned is, and this was like groundbreaking stuff. You know, I couldn't think myself into better behavior. I had to act my way into better thinking. Right. You know, because my thinking was broken. My brain right. was on backwards. And it made so much sense to me, even in early recovery, it was like, yes, that's why I'm constantly doing shit that I don't even know why I did it. It's like, why did right. you do that? I don't know. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I said, I don't know to that right. question. Like, what were you thinking? I don't know. You right. know? But right. it's like your behavior, that's what needs to change for, for us. You know, so 100%. I, I got you. Awesome. All right. So number five, mm -hmm. 
If you could give our newcomers only one suggestion, what would that be? One and the same, what I just said. Let go of whatever you believe you know to be true. I love that. Absolutely beautiful. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. So fun. Can't wait to listen. Oh, yeah. Just kidding. I can't hear. I can't listen to myself on anything. But if I could, I wouldn't be able to wait to listen. I want you to know that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Folks, you've just, you know, the Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. And you have just spent a little over an hour with Anna and oh, So God bless you. We're rocking and rolling. Thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. All right. You too. Okay, folks, we've now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.